Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Table Manners. I'm Jessie Ware and I'm here on a, on a breezy late March afternoon. Good morning. We're doing a brunch today, aren't we? Yes, darling. Um, I'm really looking forward to this guest. I've never met this um, brilliant chef, but I know lots of people that know her. I like her books a lot. I've used her recipes. Her name is Thomasina Myers, and you'll know her from, well, she started in MasterChef, didn't yep. she? I watched her on MasterChef. I remember she her. Ma- she won it. Then she and started then Oaxaca. Oaxaca, Mexican food, and she's often a guest judge on MasterChef. You know I watch MasterChef and the Great Britain. Yes, I do. We have Thomasina Myers, OBE, who is on today. She's got a new book called Meat Free Mexican. I know, it's gorgeous. Which is like perfect been, for you, Mom. I know, I've been right through it. It's really good. I was going to cook something from it today, but I thought I wouldn't do it as well as her, so I've done something else. But so excited to have it and cook from it. She, you know what? Oaxaca was the first restaurant group in the UK to be certified carbon neutral. Really? Yeah, she's pretty amazing. She's kind of, she's such an admirable woman. She's an entrepreneur. You know, she's, it's clever to be able to extend your your love of food and open a whole chain of restaurants. May I ask what you've made for our brunch today with Thomasina? Well, I've done an Ottolenghi dish, which I've worked out having put it all together. It's like eggy bread, but baked. So it's a frittata, but it's got ciabatta in it. Mm. So, and you steep it in the egg and everything. So it's a bit like egg. Eggy bread, but baked eggy bread. Isn't this what he? Sorry, with to, uh, uh, Remind everyone of uh, the brunch that we had with. Uh, no, Isn't oh, it this might what have he been. Made us? No, I don't think it had. Um, I think it was much flatter frittata. This is like a deep dish. And I'm, I'm really gonna... surprised you didn't do something from Thomasina's book. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse. I had my hair appointment at eight o'clock this morning. Oh, yeah, there was a whole thing about whether the your I've hairdresser would have all been this gone. In. Yeah, it does look nice. Does it? Very nice colour, Mum. So I've cut it. It's really eggs, lot of eggs, ciabatta bread, cumin, um, milk and parmesan and a little bit of cream and baked in the oven. I'm going to serve it with a salad because it's brunch, isn't it? I'm starving, actually. And as Thomasina is a chef and because, you know... This is a, a thing that we always cheekily ask. We have asked, requested um, Thomasina to bring a dessert, but she did say she will try her best, but she may not be able to. Oh. So let's see. I bet, you, I bet you she will bring something, and I bet it will be uh, absolutely well, I've got a stupendous, few. and I bet she'll go, oh, I just whipped it. Oh, God, I'm well, so sorry for this delicious. I've got my olive oil biscuits and creme got... fraiche. Fine. And mascarpone Fine. and um, strawberries, so we'll be all right. We're gearing up for the tour. I know, darling. I feel like you're just like you're settling into it now. Do you think? Yeah, you've worked out where you're going to be cooking your chicken yeah. soups and how you're going to transport the chicken soup. I wished I'd invested in skims. 
skims. Yeah. Why? When I'm on stage. I'm oh, not my best. I don't think our, your adoring fans will give a shit about what underwear you're wearing. Okay. Um, we are so excited. We can't wait to see you around the country. It starts in Edinburgh, Queen's Hall on the 28th of April. Then we go to Manchester Bridgewater Hall, Birmingham Town Hall, and then London Palladium for two nights, um, finishing the tour on the 9th of May. Let us know if you're coming. We're going to try and find our super fan on this tour. How many episodes are we on now, Al? Over 180 episodes. So we've got plenty to talk about. We want to know who knows more than us about our own podcast. Also, I'm very intrigued to know if anybody is coming to the tour, you can email in to hello at tablemannerspodcast.com. Maybe we'll include you within our, our show. Maybe if you've got a very important story that we need to know about food or family or drinks or dinners, um, we'd love to include you. So start emailing over anything that you would like to have a discussion with us about on these tours. And if you've got any questions for us that you want to ask us, you know, just email us at hello at tablemannerspodcast.com and let us know which show you're coming from. You will be rewarded. You will be Wow. What mother? The wonderful Thomasina Myers um, coming up on Table Manners. Thomasina Myers, you are in our kitchen. You've bought gifts. Yeah. You've bought hood. And I know you've got about 10,000 things that you're doing and today. And you look fabulous. And you look glamorous and fabulous. Um, thank you for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, so, I mean, I have a lot to ask you, but let's start from the beginning. We've heard about your, your grandmother from Tennessee as we walked in, who has the fabulous hats. Um, but where did you grow up? I grew up in Shepherd's Bush. Oh. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I just grew up in London and... But love food, really love food. I've got a really strong connection to the countryside. I used to go and stay with my granny and grandpa in, in one part of the country, and he grew vegetables. Where and was that? That was, like, kind of Oxfordshire. And then my other granny, the one from Tennessee, lived in deepest, darkest Wales. And she she was amazing. How she, did she end up there, Paul? How poor, poor thing. How did <laughs> no, she end up there? With her fabulous hats I in the middle of Wales. she had a lovely time. Going down, the, the... Going down the Con Club. Well, we loved it because there are all these castles in Wales. And you oh, were, there are? Yeah, so we're always going to these amazing ruins, Carrie Kennan Castle. And it's quite foodie Wales, actually. Ingredients are amazing. Yeah. Abergavenny. Abergavenny. I've heard about Abergavenny being like the food hotspot. It is great, yeah. It's they've really got a food good. festival, I think. Yeah, they've well. got a food festival, exactly. So, so your Tennessee grandma who who ate cream and butter with everything oh, like we her. grew up she loved a cocktail so we grew up with my memory of my father shaking cocktails in her in her fabulous kind of place in wales it was a small cottage but it's pink which is epic <laughs> and then shaking cocktails and then what and then making delicious food what did she like well, she loved a whiskey sour because she drank whiskey yeah. that's why i drink uh, whiskey okay. now like, my friends all drink gin, but, but Dad caught me drinking gin when I was about 15. He was like, no child of mine is going to drink gin. You must try whiskey. <laughs> what, what's your favourite whiskey? Uh, I know nothing about whiskey, really. I mean, I, do, I love all sorts. I mean, I like Balvenny, I like Highland Park. Mm. I, I, I love, I like even a blend. I'm not, you know, I'm not... You're not I'm snobby not, about whiskey. I'm not your snobby whiskey. about whiskey, because no. I like it with soda. soda is and this ice. presumptuous of me, or are you a big tequila fan? I mean... I love tequila. Yeah, my experience of growing up was terrible with it, but now I'm learning more about it, and it is such a great 
drink i think it's like a sunshine happy drink mm. it always makes me want to like dance on tables it's, it's so such... how do you take your tequila uh well at oaxaca we've got this phrase which is sip don't shoot because it's so delicious mm. like why would you want to like knock it back sip, don't shoot yeah so um and actually traditionally you drink it with something called sangrita which if you like bloody mary which is also another mm. like cocktail i love so tomato juice, but also fresh orange, fresh lime, lots of Tabasco, Worcester sauce, bit of um, grenadine. <gasps> and then you'd sit that alongside your tequila and you can sip. So before lunch on a Sunday, you might have like three glasses of tequila with this little spicy, slightly sweet, citrusy Ooh, sangrita. Yes. And, then the, and it's just delicious. So good. Definitely give a hangover How as well. How did you fall in love with Mexico? Uh, I went when I was 18, thought all the food was Tex-Mex. Started traveling did, yeah. around, yeah, and, and just thought, this is nuts. Why is this food so good? And, and, it, and just noticed the way it changed everywhere I went with my backpack on, you know, sleeping in a hammock and just kind of eating everything I could. And it just, and it kept changing. And I just got fascinated. I thought, right, I've discovered that Mexican food is delicious. I can go back and I'm going to actually eat proper Mexican when I get back to London. And I just couldn't find any. And I realized that we all thought it was Tex-Mex. And it's nuts to think that, Texas is a state in the States. Part of it used to be Mexico, which is why they eat in that similar way. But essentially, it's, it's American. It's Texas. You know, it's Texan mm, yeah. food. And they convinced the entire world, or they did convince the entire world that it was Mexican. And, and I think that was so fascinating to me. So I just had this thing in my head for ages. And then I went back and lived there. I opened a cocktail bar. I lived in Mexico City. You're kidding. Yeah. I mean, it was quite mad, but it was really fun. How old were you? Uh, I was quite old actually at this stage all my friends were settling down they're doing really well in their careers I didn't know what I was doing in my life I really struggled in my 20s to find out what I wanted to do had you studied gone to university or anything I went to uni I came out with a, not a great degree had a bit of a breakdown in what, in what? Uh, modern languages uh, so I loved speaking Spanish, Spanish. Yeah. Oh. I loved speaking Spanish yeah so my dad travelled around Latin America for work when I was growing up so he said, you must speak Spanish. It's a great language. Mm-hmm. So that was, so a large part of it, I could think, thanks, Dad, mm-hmm. for that. A little push, because I wouldn't have ended up in Mexico. Um, so you're a bit lost after university. I was so lost. And I think so many people are lost, actually. It's really hard in your 20s to know what to do. Yeah. Um, I was struggling. I, you know, had a bit of depression, all that kind of stuff. So really not a fun time. And I thought I should be doing something academic, So I went to a really academic day school in London. And... Um, then I was in a fashion show, Clarissa Dixon White, one of the two fat ladies. Uh, Barber, we were modelling Barber. I was in a Barber bikini. She was in a coat. And backstage, I just was like, I'm, I was, I, by this stage, I was actually desperate. I was really felt total failure. I'd done internet strategy at the height of the dot-com boom. I'd done, I'd done so many things and I couldn't stick at any of them. I thought I was kind of flawed and damaged. And she just said, if you love food, why are you cooking for a living? It just sounds so obvious. But in those days, food wasn't quite so... No. I mean, that, that, the seismic shift in food's just been incredible in the last 15 years. So um, it didn't really seem like it was... A, anyway, food. I went off to Ballymaloo in Ireland, which is the most amazing oh, cooking oh, school. Yes. Like groundbreaking cooking school. Doreen Allen, who the one, runs it, was talking about soil... 25 years ago and soil is this amazing like almost crisis like we 95 percent of our food grows in soil and we're getting rid of three football fields of good soil every minute it's like this global crisis that no one's talking about you know we talk about all sorts of things we don't talk about how we grow our food um and you know insects depletion and and all this stuff is so important in you know we talk about carbon as well 
let's cut our carbon emissions. But unless we stop putting nitrogens and herbicides and pesticides on our soil, we're really doomed. So that's what I'm really fascinated in, is how food can save the world. And what I love about Mexico and the connection to it is that the milpa in Mexico is this amazing way of harvesting. So they plant the corn crop and the bean crop and the courgette plants and the chilies and the tomatoes all together. And all the different plants give something to the earth. So the corn provides this structure, the beans can grow up and the beans fix the nitrogen in the soil that feeds the courgette and the corn. And then the courgette got all these prickly like leaves that stop the insects crawling around and prevent, kind of pr- keep this moisture in the ground. And so you don't need to spray with all these oil-rich chemicals which destroy the, 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 the earth. Um, so actually, ancient... And that's why this... Well, I've just written a book about Mexican food, but it's vegetarian. And what's so fascinating is the way the ancient Mexican tribes used to eat, um, the native Mexicans, the Mistecs, the Aztecs, was largely vegetables because it's there's biodiversity, this crazy amount of fruit and vegetables in this country. 50,000 plant species compared with about a, a thousand and a half in the uk it's quite full of incredible food um and, and that's mostly what they ate the amazing protein rich beans and the corn which is this amazing superfood and all the lovely fruit and vegetables and then a bit of fish a bit of forage birds um but that diet is just actually so healthy and amazing and nutritious and, and the rainbow food that we all talk about now the rainbow diet is this your first vegetarian cookbook? Yeah. yeah Congratulations. It it's beautiful. Yeah, it really it is. It is beautiful. Oh. And I would have cooked from something from it today, but I was a bit shy. No, um, no. So, she got um, nervous. I got nervous. So, no, well, I, yeah. Um, I made something for brunch that I felt safer with. But you did bring pud, which is a, re- a recipe from the cookbook. Yeah, which actually has got tequila in it. Right. Because chocolate and tequila is like one of the perfect marriages. And, you know, chocolate also being from Mexico, there's something about those two flavours. It's just so insane. So, like, our go-to, when I go to my parents' house, our go-to pudding is always, like, ice cream from the freezer. And then we just whip up a chocolate sauce with tequila in it. It's just oh, like tequila in your chocolate genius. sauce. Oh, my God, it's so good. It's literally the oh, best. Fuck. When you do a chocolate sauce, do you just melt chocolate and put a bit of cream in? Uh, cream, milk. Uh, if you don't have cream, you can use whole, yeah. whole milk. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you can put a bit of butter, but you don't have to. Salt, definitely a bit of sea salt. Uh, and a, a, bit, a nice bit of golden syrup. Whack in there. Oh, uh, right, yeah. No, yeah. no. Yeah. And, and then when do you put the booze in? Because does it make it um Well, no, because once, once you've got the cream or the milk in, then you're safe. That won't split the chocolate. And then just pour in the booze then. And then to taste. I mean, I always start with one or two tablespoons of tequila and then add a bit more. It's just got to have the nice amount. Sometimes even drizzle a bit on top of the ice cream and chocolate sauce at the end Tom as Seema, well. I remember you, because I'm obsessed with cooking programmes, but only ones not main chefs. So I remember you from MasterChef. But were you on MasterChef the professionals or MasterChef just the ordinary one? No, because I was then, those are my kind of, that was my days of not knowing what that That's what I thought. So doing. That's quite brave to go and do that. So you went and did Ballymillet, like you did, went and did yeah. that and then straight after that, was it? Well, no, because then, so after Ballymillet, didn't know what I was doing. So I went and made cheese in West Cork, uh, which was amazing. What uh, sort? Uh, Gabine, which is a kind of semi-soft uh, rind cheese, washed rind cheese, delicious. Um, and, and there, I mean, Tom and Jonah, just imagine living. Imagine being really 
not knowing what you're doing with your life and then ending up on a cheese farm in West Cork. It was literally bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sea right there. Um, and Tom and Jane, I just lived in their farmhouse. I met a girl called Clodagh McKenna, who's a cook. Um, so we had a little moving market stand. She would make pasta, I'd make sourdough and we'd travel around Ireland doing this little market. So it was really fun. Then my boyfriend got a bit cross. Why? When are you coming back to London? <laughs> also, I was a bit is broke. He now, is, he, is he still your boyfriend? No, sadly. That yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's mm. another story. <laughs> so then what happened? Then on a cheese stand in Ireland, I managed to get a job in London. So then I was managing a shop called Vlandry in London. And they oh, had oh, yeah, a that. bakery underground in the basement, which is extraordinary because in those days, no one made fresh bread like we do. I mean, yeah. obviously some people made bread, but they make, they're making their own croissants and power, chocolate, all that stuff. Um, Angus, this amazing guy, was making the food. And so I started doing a stall for them as well. Because this thing about selling, you know, buying direct from a farmer, I'm mm. really into, like, cutting out the middleman who mm. takes all the profit and buying from people who are actually looking after the planet, looking after the soil. You can go back to the soil and nature and looking after the insects and the bees and the earthworms and the birds... Like, unless we actually buy our food from people who are taking care of the planet and, and their little farm, their little patch of land, and paying all the people around them a fair wage, that feels to me, that's proper ownership. And, and politically, kind of like, I'm going to vote with my foot. I'm going to spend money at this guy. I know his name. I know he looks after people. I know he looks after the land. Mm. That, for me, is... Um, what you call food activism but like so for people that are listening to that and being like well how do i do that so what do you think would be the best start for people that want to support the farmers support people that are you know and want to be involved in food activism in where should they be shopping farmers markets or i think farmers markets get a massive bad rap of being overpriced and for the privilege and i think it's, it's not true i think there's there are so many layers here like my the charity that i helped set up is called chefs and schools and that is about feeding kids in schools proper food my friend's a chef actually in it one really of them. yeah she's one in stoke newington she's oh, yeah. A, yeah clara's doing it yeah it's amazing yeah. Oh, clara. She, our clara she, she's been a catering chef and she's but, but um, she was really disillusioned with her catering jobs and she was de- so she started doing this it's amazing and she's like the food is just fantastic yeah. I want to get it in my kids school that's your child I'm so sorry I didn't know that no 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 I mean I kind of put everyone in a room said come on let's do it and then I realised that I was beginning to like have sleepless nights because as always I was over back back I always take on too much it's my classic um, I think ADHD thing um, so and I suddenly was like, look, I actually can't do this. I'll be a trustee, but I can't actually set up this charity because I had no time. I was still doing Oaxaca a lot of, you know, many days a week. And so we got it set up. L- largely they got it set up, but I'm still a trustee. I've got a meeting uh, this afternoon. Uh, it's amazing. So 50 pence per people per day, cheaper than the massive contract caterers. We feed the kids really incredible food fresh bread you divert that money you pay the the chefs and the school cooks a better wage and they become part of the school like the kids know their name they're the heroes of the school because they're producing food but do the kids schools want to still eat. even have kitchens a lot of schools still have kitchens and do you know what it's a real bugbear of mine restaurants have cal- the calories gone on the menus uh, tomorrow they did it at tulls hill they're doing the calories calories yeah. 
Right, guess what oh. a roast was? 1,800 calories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I nearly died. Roast how beef you, and Yorkshire I mean, pudding. I, I think I know how you're going to feel about this, but how do you feel about seeing the calories? Well, calories don't tell you anything about how healthy the food is, yes. whether it's got fibre in it, how, it's, how it was grown, Why whether it had chemicals that? put on it. Well, of obesity. Obesity. So food-related disease is killing more people than alcohol and smoking. So I get they're trying to do something, but why not do something in schools? Isn't it going to make more kind of... We can make everyone anxious. Everyone have like these weird relationships. So at the fish and chip shop, they're going to say, when you have your cod and chips, this is how much you're... Look, we all know that's calorific and it's not that great for you, but you do it once in a blue moon, maybe. Um, I agree, I agree. And you get people get so anxious about food anyway. Food poverty is more important than... Food poverty is way more important, which is why the Department of Education seems to think that food is not related to education. And our thing is, it is. So we have, UK has national food standards, but the Department of Education does not stick to them or does not make the schools stick to them so 80% of secondary schools are failing their school food standards now this is like when we're looking at food prices for the next two years Ukraine all that there are going to be so many more people struggling to eat Mm. the school is the one place where kids can get a proper meal a meal once a day they don't offer it but they're not offering it so you know much better focus on the schools and get good food and we've proven them chefs and schools you can do it you should sort out hospitals after that and hospitals prudence on hospitals she's 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 it's really hard but but you've got to get the government you know come on boris food's important it's not a luxury food food is how we you know if you think about the survival without food we're dead and without good food we're ill so like why why should only rich people be able to afford good food surely it's every person's human right to be able to eat well and it doesn't have to cost a fortune it really doesn't but it does it depends on education and knowing what to do with the food and you know, yeah, we've got to eat more pulses poor, and less meat. Obesity is more common in poorer people than rich people. Cool. So it's not about quantity. It's no. about what you're eating. Yeah, it's about what what's in it. Afford. Tommy, this is, all of it is so fascinating. Um, and, well, I can't wait to chat to you more. But I want to start from what you, do you remember about your upbringing, your really memorable dishes from your childhood? Well, so my, I re- so money was a real struggle. So my mother was always trying to make the ends meet at the end of the week. That's what I really remembered. And she was always buying stuff in season. So we would have a supper in like kind of in a couple of months would be a glow bath shake and she'd burn butter. So it was really delicious, put loads of salt in oh, so she was and then we dip. She was a really good cook. And then we dip brown bread into it at the end and, and eat the cut up the heart and put it in the butter and put it all over the bread and the bread would be soaked up with this burnt butter. So food was really pleasurable, but always on this kind of budget. So she would only buy aubergine in the summer because it was affordable then. And then she, and the tomatoes. So it's, so it, it was all about eating we'd have like sandwich competitions on a Saturday or BLTs were like the treat where she gets streaky bacon and cook it. And then she'd get the lettuce. In those days it was iceberg. And then she'd lather it in mayonnaise. She'd probably make the mayonnaise. And then, you know, we'd get the bread out and the tomatoes and she'd dress the tomato with salt and pepper, a bit of brown sugar, a bit of vinegar. Um, And then, you know, and then we'd all assemble our own BLTs the way we wanted to. I love this idea of a sandwich um, competition. Oh yeah, it was really fun. So, so... Why was she so interested yeah. in food? Well, I think I think she loved food because her 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 grandmother was from South Africa and just that you know they cooked. My father loved food because his grandmother, his what mother did cooked. He, do? he worked. 
Uh, he worked, he just made omelettes in those days. He had his omelette pan and if you went near it, you were toast. I'm in serious trouble. Were they, good? they were good omelettes? He made really good omelettes, like really good omelettes. What was omelets. the secret? Uh, really hot pan. So you get the pan. It was a really heavy cast iron flat omelette pan. You'd have to get it smoke. I still remember the lesson he gave me. Wait for it smoking hot before you put the butter in. So literally you had to wait and I'd sit there with my head waiting to watch the smoke rise. And then once it was smoking hot, so on the flame for like a good couple of minutes, then you add the butter, sizzle, and then you throw the eggs in, which, you know, whisk start with herbs or what a bit of cheese if you want or whatever, salt and pepper, obviously. And then you wait and then you scoop and you tilt and you scoop and you tilt and you scoop. So you get a lovely kind of caramelized side, whatever it's called. You shouldn't, I should know the name of that, what do you call it when that lovely caramelization of food goes on and that's where you get the flavor from and then not overcook it and then flop it out onto your plate with a lovely simple salad and toast and that's delicious supper and that's not expensive mm. so good food i grew up knowing that good food is not expensive it, but it, you do have to know how to cook it and mm. what to do with the ingredients like the beans or, or whatever or the soup you must have understood seasonal foods at such an early age which i feel like i probably and many of people well, I know probably didn't appreciate think, fully. Yeah, but I think things have changed, Jesse, because yeah. I think we access food from all over the place. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we actually look, sometimes I'm horrified and I see, you know, fancy raspberries and they come from the th- in Morocco. This and it's a, the, your carbon footprint and everything mm. is, is extraordinary. But I think we're so used to now having yeah. it whenever we want it, it that tricky. we don't resist and wait for it to come into season it's, it's so tricky it, you're, you're right we are completely used to having whatever yeah. we want whenever we want. we want but there's a cost to that yeah you know we're seeing and Oaxaca that was the first um carbon neutral restaurant in the uk yeah we so were. how did that was that was that difficult well do you know what so my business partner said i think we should open more than one and at that point i got a bit nervous because i I'd only ever eaten in restaurants that weren't, there was just one of them, you know, local neighbourhood. Um, someone's at the door. Yeah, so it's um, a delivery, no doubt. Uh, so I was thought, well, if we're going to have more than one, mm. we've just got to make sure they're as green as possible mm-hmm. and then I'll be happy. So I remember starting off and getting in touch with kind of local producers and trying to get nice food on the menu. And I was obsessed with, I was slightly terrified about the fact it was Mexican food because I didn't want to ship stuff over from Mexico. Well, avocados and stuff like that. Didn't like, want air miles and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So I got really fixated on trying to make it as green as possible. And then my business partner actually really got the bit between his teeth too. So I was focusing on the food side, but he started focusing on the build of all our restaurants. And so he was recycling all the materials from the restaurants we took over and starting to... So we get these amazing scar ratings for all our sites now because we divert the hot air from our fridges and freezers and it goes to heat the water in our taps. What does scar mean? Uh, S-K-A. I don't know. It's what you... It's what... I think retail uses it a lot for like green build, um, but we started, we were the first kind of restaurant group to start using it too. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Should we have something to eat? Yes, please. Um, So I love love the picture that you've painted of your upbringing and, and cooking together. I presume like your parents were allowing you to cook from an early age and teaching you and kind of... Well, I was so, I got so bored so easily and I was really bad at playing. So my brother and sister would be doing this creative play and be like in grace for hours and I'd be like within 10 minutes going, oh, I'm bored. So then, so then I started playing in the kitchen. So yeah, I was tinkering in the kitchen from the word go. And I just, I remember seeing my mother's side and showing me how you get so much flavour out of onions by just cooking them slow and sweet or how to make a white sauce and to cook out the flour first and get that caramelization going with the butter before you add the milk and and how to stir it without getting the lumps and 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 you know she bought the same ingredients week after week because they were the cheap ones but she showed me how to get the most flavor out of them and and then the leftovers you know she would always show me how to make these epic leftover bubble and squeak things or whatever you know it would be really fun like the kitchen forage where you're reaching to the back and thinking what are we going to eat come on let's pull this out because this is going to be delicious and that's just how I grew up cooking um and I just always credit her with that just understanding those real fundamental building blocks of, of food and flavor you have children don't you yeah and how are they in the kitchen they are um so it's, I think it's I think it's more complicated when it's your mother always cooking because it's my thing. But they're getting more and more into it. And actually, when I go and cook and do a demo at a food festival, which I'm doing, I do all the time. I now get them up on the stage with me, which is so nice do for you me. Want to help yourself? Yeah, I'd love to. What is this? It's it delicious. Is, uh, uh, it's an otolenghi. An otolenghi. It's a frittata made with eggs and mm. ciabatta. Oh my god, how delicious! I hope it is. I love otolenghi. I know. Me too. Yeah. So great. Oh, it looks oh, lovely, Mum. So yeah. great. Oh, my God. It looks Bouncy. golden and delicious well, and yeah. do you want me to say fluffy you and please? light. Um, so, so you get your kids up on stage? Uh, and then they help. So my proudest moment was when um, uh, my daughter, like, jointed a bird on stage for me to then, what? like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally... How old is she? How old was she? She was four. So Stop! The locals had given us a... Um, a duck that someone had shot, uh, like a local farmer had shot, and she plucked the duck on stage, and then I could just like cut out the breasts and pan fry them by the end of the food demo. I mean, it was unreal. That's my proudest moment as a mother. I bet. I mean, literally, I was like, "You'll be fine in the if you like, in the wilderness. If the world collapses, you'll be fine." That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. But uh, they do cook. I mean, our, my childminder is um, Spanish, and she's vegetarian, so she cooks a lot Did with you them. End up- Get some into veggies. And then I realised the plate was going to be warm, but it's all right. I love that, love a warm plate. I I love a warm plate. I'm just tossing this because. Thank you. And I'm just throwing salad leaves everywhere. Oh, it's fine. Um, your your child mind is uh, Spanish. Yeah, and she um, she also cooks with them. But I try and cook with them a lot actually, and um, I try not to throw it down their throats too much though, because you know that thing where it's your mother, it's a bit annoying. 
So but are they, they must be good eaters then, right? They're good eaters. They're definitely good eaters. Let's eat a little bit. So yeah. thanks, Mum. This smells amazing. It looks delicious. It, smells it really nice. does. Um, thank oh, you. Oh, it's courgettes. Forgot to say that. Oh, my God, courgettes. <laughs> delicious. You can't taste bread, can you? No. Oh, it's bouncy. It's lovely. Mm. It's very light and fluffy. Mm. It's oh, kind of almost like a souffle, isn't it? Mm. Was it quite easy to do, Mum? Mm-mm. No. I had my hair done this morning. Oh. <laughs> um, it was six eggs, mm. a kind of a loaf of ciabatta, but you had to take the crusts off. Mm. He said save the crusts and make breadcrumbs, but I wasn't... Life's too short. <laughs> and um, it was just the eggs and grated courgette. Mm. So there's... This is a really good brunch yeah, one to do. I That's think so it's good. lovely. God, I love eggs. Where, where would we be without eggs? Oh, I know. This is heaven, mm, so Mum. Good. You told me not to make I it. I did. I was like, I think you should do one from Thomasina's book. Oh, this is really good. But this is great. Mm. I hope so. Thomasina, what I wanted to ask was, okay, so Mexico is your your love. For people, much like, I guess, when people first got a Nottolenghi book or something, um, you know, a lot of the ingredients are alien to a lot of people that haven't cooked Mexican food. You know, there's a lot of chilies in there, like, you know, things like hibiscus. Is it relatively easy to find these ingredients yes. um, in the UK? That's what I wanted to know. It's as well. really easy. So, um, you know, everyone does an Ocado shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of people do, or, or any kind of supermarket shop. Mm. And, and they are basically, you can find them on any shop. All go to the straight, you know, Max Grocer, Cool Chili Company is amazing. It's got all the stuff. Cool Chili Company. Cool Chili Company is incredible. Oh, great. And you, just, and you just get an order of chilies in, and they last forever. I mean, I've got chilies in my cupboard that have been there for you know probably three years um that you know, they're still good to use because most of them are dried anyway yeah. so then all you do is rehydrate them you either just dc them come straight with boiling water or if you're really foodie you might toast them like a cumin seed mm-hmm. you know you either grind it straight away or you toast it and grind it so but you can also buy chili flakes these days and what about soaking it when would you soak it so basically, if you're using a dry chili and you want to put it in a mayonnaise or a sauce or a marinade, you basically take out the seeds, cover it in boiling water, soak it for 10 minutes, and then bl- just blitz it with your tomatoes and your onions or, or whatever else you're blitzing And does it, it affect the heat? Uh, no, because what? Because the different chilies have the different heat. Mm-hmm. So like an ancho, mm-hmm. it's like, I want to call my dog ancho, my children wouldn't let me. <laughs> it's like a lovely kind of soft, sweet, rounded flavour. I've got some of those. Yeah. They are delicious. They are so good. Um, and so that's brilliant. You had another jalapeno one that I'd not heard of. I mean, I've just got old, like... Chipotle's? Yeah. No. Uh, it, no, it's... No. Uh, a serrano. Yes, Serrano jalapeno. Yeah, yeah, Serrano is amazing. So they're they're a fresh chili, but you can buy them. Well, in, you can buy them pickled. Uh, they're, they're delicious. They're harder to get hold of. I think the fresh chilies are harder to get hold of. The dried are easy. Mm-hmm. Like Cascabel is my new favourite, and I use it a bit in the book. And it's always that tr- tr- tricky thing when you're writing a cookbook. You think, do I try and make everything really simple mm-hmm. t- so to get everyone cooking, or some of the recipes I actually want to use this chili because it's yeah. so good. So I make a chili oil with cascabel, which is so delicious. It's cascabel is really mild, but it's got this fruity kind of deep rounded flavour, and it's just insane. And I, I kind of mix it sometimes with a hotter chili like arbol, which is this really grassy chili. But you can do you can use any 
dried red chilli. you can get these quite, well, you must do because you've got them. You can get all of them. You can get all of them. Um, but you don't need to get all of them straight away. That's the thing you can just, yeah. I think, bit by bit. And I'm trying to... I think okay, your first, like your starter pack, what would you say? Ancho. Well, actually, um, Cool Chilli do a workout horse pack, which I think has got ancho, pasilla and chipotle in, I think. But I think ancho, chipotle... Ancho chipotle to start with. And then if you want to go a bit more, cascabel, arbol are great. Arbol, A-R-B-O-L, is a great, just hot one. Uh, Great for chili oils. Okay, so um, we asked all our guests last supper. Mm -hmm. You knew potentially this was going to come. I mean, it's so hard. Starter, main, I mean, look. But you can have a a day of food. We allow people. You can to do, do whatever you like a with whole this, day with this interpretation My God. of I mean, the last meal. I love this a whole day. I mean, I can eat quite a lot in a day. Mm. I did think about this, and I was really fixated on the starter. And it reminded me of when I did MasterChef, and I had to cook for Michelle Wu, which was terrifying, by he's the way. So nice. Was it? It was. Even though he's so nice, it was in the Gavroche kitchen. I was with all his staff. They were all looking at me, going, "Who's this?" They weren't actually saying that, but I was thinking. But you felt. I was projecting. You were anxious. Yeah. I was anxious. Um, and he made me cook a souffle suisse, which is actually really easy, but it's one of the most delicious things. So it's a basically a double cooked souffle. Yeah. Um, so you cook it once, then you let it fall again, and then you basically put cream in a pan, and you cook the cream, and you basically simmer it and reduce it, and it goes quite nutty, like bernoir, like a kind of noisette yeah. butter. So it goes kind of nutty and delicious. You season it quite heavily with salt and pepper. Not heavily, but season it beautifully with salt and pepper maybe a bit of nutmeg and then you cover your souffle your little souffle your little cheese souffle uh with that cream and then you shave masses of gruyere over it and it's got gruyere already oh, in it and you might put parmesan too and then you put it under the grill and it, it puff back up it pluffs back up but it's doused in this unbelievable kind of nutty creamy cheesy sauce and you have that with a little crisp delicious salad with lots of kind of mustard leaf and crunch and Mm. maybe some but were you when you got given that were you like come on or I know you were like a bit you were definitely nervous but were you like oh okay I can do this no that one I could do and I was and I was well I think because of mum actually I think as a mum and and I think I could do that and also they, 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 right, now you've got to make the salad dressing. That's very important. And I was thinking, I'm all over this. I mean, mum, classically, it was in my book, Home Cook. We, at home, we always make a kind of gallon jar of, of French dressing mm-hmm. so that whenever you want a salad, your dressing's already made. And so French dressing is like, you know, again, my mother, all about flavour. Dijon mustard, lots of soft brown sugar, lots of salt and pepper, lovely vinegar, whatever. Which vinegar do you use? Sherry? I, it mixture. depends on my mood. So I've got my own red wine vinegar on my stovetop. So whenever we've got the, the ends of a nice bottle of wine, it just goes into the, the crock. Mum, we should do that. There's never an end of the bloody bottle of wine. You've (laughs) drunk it, Mum. I've still got some white organic wine. Hang on, can you tell... So how people... Of course people can make their own, but I've never really thought about this. Does it just... Wine will just turn to vinegar eventually. Wine just turns to vinegar. So white wine, I think, is trickier. White wine vinegar. But this red wine vinegar is so cool. So you get the mother online. There's a couple of people do it. Mine was from Cult, I think. The The mother being the, like... Goopy. Like the sourdough yeah. starter. Like the sourdough starter. It's so cool. It's like a jellyfish. Yeah. It's like the kids love it. They go, show us, show us the, the mother, mother again. Just put a drop of wine to Also, I love it. the fact it's called a mother. Mm-hmm. You know, where all things start. Mm. 
women were the first farmers. Love that too. <laughs> anyway, um, so you get the mother and then you just feed it. Every time you've kind of got a bit of then, you know, you're going away and you think, I actually don't want any more wine. You just throw it in. Not always, you know, if you're getting rid of your, someone's bought a really crap bottle of wine mm. that you think, I don't want to drink that. Don't give that to your mother. Because then your vinegar will taste nasty. We're talking about oh, the we're... jelly mother, not your actual mother or yeah, mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. and definitely not the mother-in-law either. Mm, that would mm. be bad. Um, so yeah, feed your jelly the same type of wine you'd want to drink. I'm not saying really expensive wine, but just but normal just wine. Not crap wine. Yeah, not crap wine. And then and then you've got vinegar on tap because good vinegar is delicious. And it's also really it's also really expensive. Like really nice vinegar mm. is really expensive. Um, so in my it depends on my dressing, uh, it depends on my mood. But sometimes red wine vinegar, which I love, sherry vinegar I love. Mm. I've got really into um, cider vinegars. Not only brilliant for arthritis. My parents drink it every morning with apple, apple juice. Apple cider, yeah, yeah. So a bit of, sort of apple cider in apple juice is delicious and keeps lots of bugs and things away. But um, there's some of them are delicious. There's one called Umbro something that tastes like a kind of balsamic mm. it's really sweet i've been getting into white balsamic yes also good diana henry nice. got me onto that mm. yeah white balsamic so yeah i'm basically obsessed with vinegar and actually really in mexico so in mexico all the housewives make their own vinegars so from guava from apples from pineapples oh, and the wow. cooks in the villages yeah. they get you get you see all these kind of bottles in the in the windowsill so what happens to the fruit then when the fruit ferments yeah. and kind of gives off sugar, which ferments into. Yeah. And then, do they strain it? Uh, they 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 strain it. Some don't strain it. Some do strain it. Um, but yeah, so so pineapple vinegar is delicious. Or I'm going to you've got, got a window sh- still there that you could just have loads of lovely kiln. You know, you there's know. a great recipe in the book actually for pineapple vinegar, or, or then tapache, which is one of those amazing you know fermented drinks that you drink, um, like a kind of kombucha, shrub, like a kombucha star, which you just make with your um, pineapple skins. So you eat your pineapple and then you keep your core in your How skin. How long does it take to make though? Like, like a week. No, less than a week. Four days. Oh, that was us planting the tops for pineapple, thinking that was clever. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking so much. No, I'm, I'm no. no. So okay. So I'm presuming that that dish that's is your that, starter. The, 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 that's my starter. The souffle is the starter. Yeah, okay. cheesy, delicious with a crisp salad mm. and a really delicious dressing. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Can't have an undressed salad. Why no. would you do that? No. Next. Main. Main. Um, this was really hard. I felt this was really hard, but I decided I would go for lamb. Or mutton, whichever. But basic, it's slow cooked, I thought. Yeah. I mm. hadn't really decided, because I was thinking about this last night and on the way here. <laughs> uh, I hadn't really decided whether it was going to be like a really good mutton curry or a really good mutton barbacoa or lamb. Are you doing mutton because you prefer the taste or because you're being uh, sustainable and, and thoughtful? No, 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 just the taste. Because lamb's delicious, but then mutton's got even more. It's, it's Yeah, it's like goat. I mean, not everyone likes lamb. Mm-hmm. But I think the flavour is amazing. And so I'd either slather it in a kind of adobo of ancho, cumin, garlic, uh, onion, vinegar, um, maybe a bit of quince for sweetness. And I'd just shove it all over there with some allspice and cinnamon and just shove it all over there for 24 hours and then slow cook it. Maybe even cook it on the barbecue to finish it, get it all sizzled and caramelised, eat all that fat. Like how, long, how long are you going to cook it for and what temperature? I'm going to cook it uh, over either overnight if I'm really busy and can't deal so on the what, next day. So when you cook overnight, what, what, what like, temperature? Like 100, 100 degrees or 110, but, but shoulder. 
mm. not not a leg because oh. the shoulders got got the work yeah. and that that's and that really breaks down and then it's so soft. It's actually more relaxing, I think, to cook your shoulder because you can just shove it in and forget about it. And it tastes so it feels it so is, magnificent it when you slightly fattier. It is fatty, so it is fatty, so you can drain off the fat, which is true. Yeah. Do you drain off the fat? Uh, I think not when I'm actually eating it, but definitely afterwards. You know, you can see yeah. all the fat congealed in pan. You think, don't want all that. So it depends. It depends. It depends how. What would you have it with? Um, so uh, I would have a really. If I was doing Mexican, I'd do a really delicious slaw with loads of different crisp vegetables and lots of fresh lime and a bit of olive oil. You've got an amazing herbs. slaw actually that I've done years ago on the podcast. It's like. I don't know if it's your quintessential slaw, but... Well, I think you can put anything in a slaw. So good, yeah. so fennel, red cabbage, white cabbage, But carrot. did you do like a green goddess dressing or something like that? Oh, yeah. No, I do have... Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean... But would you avoid the green goddess dressing? No, I wouldn't necessarily I would avoid a dressing. I always think dressing, the more dressings you have, the better. I think, though, for a really fatty cut of lamb, you probably want something quite sharp, mm-hmm. sharp dressing. So maybe just... Well, a bit of oil, maybe. Or a bit of tomatillo salsa. Probably get hold of some tins of tomatillos. You can get some canned tomatillos. Definitely you can get those. Cans of what? Tomatillos. What are they? They are amazing. They're related to Cape Gooseberry, but they're like green tomatoes. And they're really citrusy and they're delicious. And they're and people are starting to grow them oh, in this country. Tomatillo. Tomatillo. Yeah. So what? And um, and you get them in a can. So what? How would you um, just blitz them? Blitz them and it was their juice with um, half an onion, a clove of garlic, masses of fresh coriander, and some jalapeno, and maybe a bit of vinegar or fresh lime, and that's it. So it's really sharp and citrusy. So I'd have my tomatillo. I'd have my really fresh slaw with lots of different colours, like sliced radish. It would look really pretty. So you'd have this quite big hulk of meat and then you'd have very, very pretty slaw with chervil and coriander and tarragon or any herb you want. And then you'd have your tortillas. Why did you come to us for lunch? We should have gone there. I know, but (laughs) yeah, definitely next time. And then, I mean, Indian also, I am, by the way, also a mutton curry is very good. And Dad does this amazing banana chutney. Um, but I think it's a Madder Jaffrey one and it's really good with Where do, do your parents still live in London? No, they live in countryside now. Yeah, with their dogs. They many must dogs. be so proud of you. Do you know what's so fun is that when we left home, my mother said, I am fed up with cooking every day. From now on, on Saturdays, you're cooking. I'm not going near the kitchen. And my father said, fine. And he got out Madder Jaffrey and he spent all day in the kitchen. He came out with these three incredible curries and he cooks all the time now. So over lockdown... The woman running the local bakery said, when I turn 100, I'm shutting this shop. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 whatever, Dorothy. And then she turned 100 in April 2020. And in May 2020, they shut the shop because her son, the baker, was 76. And he said, do you know what? I've had enough too. And my father was like, what am I going to do? This bread that I've been eating for the last 20 years, I can't do without it. So I brought my starter over and I said, look, I'll just show you. I think, I think you'll be able to do it. Because his pastry, he makes the best shortcrust pastry. Like buttery, flaky. Like his treacle tart. It's so insane. cold fingers. Yes. Yeah, my mum. is that? And that, death. Dagger had cold fingers. Yeah, you have to have cold fingers, my mum said, mm. to be able to make oh, good pastry. My sweaty little chimbalatas wouldn't no. be very good. You've got mm. to have cold fingers. So what, did, and now is he a bloody amazing baker? Well, as always, he's really annoying, annoying about it. Because he's like... Oh, if I get in sun, when you make sourdough, you get in a bit of ruts of when you're, it's not behaving. So the other day I was like, Dad, what are you doing about your turns and the length? And what are you finding this? And he goes, no, I just, you know, I just turn it and I make it, shove it in the fridge, leave it for two days and I bake it when I want. 
you know, with this kind of offhand devil may care. I mean, shame on you, dad. It was like the time when I was testing a recipe in their house. And I was like, have you got any pomegranate molasses? I really need it to test this recipe for the Guardian. And he was like, what? Bought pomegranate molasses? I make mine. Oh, I was just stop. like, some people, Dad, have more time on yeah, their hands than others. you tired and you're not. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Of course, you cook for the Guardian every week. Is that a big ch- chore, having to come up Do you have like come a team with that can do that? I have, do you know what? I have a team of uh, mainly girls. I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a boy in now. Um, guy, sorry, Freddie. Uh, and uh, they're amazing. And it makes me so happy getting a team of... You know, they're all younger than me. I think I always think they're the same age as me, and I realise I'm like 15 years old when <laughs> they forget the kind of or that don't know so the music references. Yeah. But you know, they make me feel young, and we have such a laugh, and we talk about food all day and cook all day. I mean, it's just it's just such a joy. It's actually my favourite job, one of my favourite jobs. I need to go back to your main. So you've got the slaw, you've got the, um, the you've lamb. got the lamb. Are you going to have any kind of carb on there, or are you not yeah, bothered? No, definitely carbs. Um, I wouldn't say layered potatoes because they always go really well with lamb. But I'm not sure. You could have, because I'm thinking we're in summer. So you could have lots of like roast Jersey roll potatoes, roast with lots of olive oil and salt and pepper, squished slightly, like parboiled, squished, covered in oil, lots of garlic and salt and pepper and olive oil, put in the oven until they're crispy and crunchy. And then my favourite recipe at the moment is um, uh, a charred jalapeno garlic mayo. Oh, come on. Is it in the book? It's in the book. It's bloody good. Oh, I, I yes. tell you. And you, you dip those bad boys into that garlicky chilli mayo. And it's not it's not very spicy, Lenny. I promise you. Good. It, it's I'm it's gonna make garlicky. That that and then it's got this little, like, kind of, like, mm. like black pepper. Just, like, little tingle on your tongue. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, that sounds heaven. Do you, do you sell side. produce at your shop? You should. No, I know we should. Do you know what? I because really want Because then to... we'd be able to get our... Have a nice meal and then buy all our chilies. Yeah. I keep telling people we should be making We'll do an mayos. online one. I know, I should. Do you know Just what Just even start if doing you it? don't have a shop front, do an online Oaxaca. Lenny, on. I think I'm going to do that. I think just got to start because doing that. Because I, I think if you, if you can access the stuff, and you probably can get it all in from Mexico the as well. The chili oils, the, um, the mayos. That, that little sugar thing. The chili paste, the hibiscus sugar. Oh my God, it would be so much fun. Yes, yeah. I, I yeah. don't know why you don't. I, I mean, mean, you'd be doing us a service. Yeah, okay. Doing us think all of, a favour. Yeah, okay, I think great. Okay. Um, just something to add to your many different hats that you wear. I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to um, do it. Pudding. Pudding. We've got a pudding here, is this your yeah. favourite one? I think maybe you'll do this pudding. We might do this pudding. I mean, I love chocolate. Basically, I'm a chocoholic. So because you... mole has chocolate in it too, right? Mole so, like, has I feel chocolate. Like chocolate carries... Mole have chocolate in. Uh, Not no. everyone. No, no, no. Because no, mole no. just means sauce. Sauce. Yeah. But a lot of them have chocolate, right? Yeah, like the dark moles have chocolate because it, it, the richer ones for turkey or chicken or or pork have chocolate because they're. But then the green moles have um and the yellow moles are much lighter so they wouldn't have chocolate so you only use the dark chocolate to get that really rich flavor going through because originally hot chocolate was drunk without any sugar it was only the spanish that found that when you put sugar to chocolate it was even more delicious so the aztecs would go into battle just drinking hot chocolate with spices almost like their kind of coffee yeah which i found really cool because I don't know what you feel, but I think with kids, it's really hard finding any headspace and time to think properly, which is my permanent. So writing a book, I found over the last couple of books I've written, 
a lot of my book writing happens at night time. Not like I don't put an alarm on, but I wake up at night and worrying about this book that I'm not writing. <laughs> and then after about half an hour of lying in bed worrying, I think, oh, Christ's sake, I'll just get up and actually write the book. So then I make myself a hot chocolate with proper dark chocolate, like really quite strong dark chocolate. And then I'm buzzing. And then I write for like an hour and a half straight, this amazing focused. And it's my best work time. No one can disturb me. Not even the dog comes near me. So I've got no kids, no husband. No, I'm in this perfect, peaceful God, I think you're time. like Bon Jovi. I'll sleep when I die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. No, you I know. Stop. No, I know sleep's important. And I do try. I do try and go to bed early. And, and, and those times I try and have lions. But then this, this amazing woman on my local high street does these Ayurvedic massages. And I, I had one when I was pregnant with my last baby five years ago. And I promised myself when I finished writing this book that I'd have another massage. So I booked it in and I was talking about this focused time in the middle of the night when I'm writing my best stuff. And she said, that's really interesting. There's a compound in chocolate that creates a creativity and a focus. And she said, in Ayurvedic medicine, before you meditate, so she gets up at some crazy, insane early hour. She has her hot chocolate with all her spices, and then she meditates, and it gives her creative focus. See, this is where we're going wrong. We all need to be drinking hot chocolate. chocolate. Not with loads of milk, but loads of chocolate. Some milk, but yeah. Which chocolate do you use in yours? I mean, I don't, I'm not a chocolate snob, just as long as it's 70%. Real chocolate, real proper chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I do cocoa, raw cocoa, and chocolate. Okay. It's got to be oh. really choxy. And what milk do you use? Whole milk. Whole milk. Like it's got hot grass fed because then it's got omega threes, not sixes. It's amazing things How that happen you know to cattle. When you're Why don't you is... want omega six? Omega six, the bad fat. Omega three is the good fat. Okay. So if you're Where eating do you beef. you buy grass fed milk? Well, now Yo Valley says grass fed on it. Oh. Or, or any local farm shop or your local farmer's market will sell you grass-fed milk. I'm going to buy milk. Yo Valley milk now. Mm. So the amazing thing, you know people say you shouldn't eat beef because of the carbon. Mm. Yeah. So beef, are, cattle are pivotal for turning around soil. So we're losing all this soil, which is really bad for the future of mankind. The mines died out because they killed all their soil. So, so we've got to turn around our soil as quickly as possible. If you leave the soil alone, it takes about 100 years to regenerate. If you put cattle on soil, it regenerates in five years. Why? Because they're pooing and they're snuffling and they're stomping and they're just creating all this biodiverse cultures and bacteria. And it's the fastest thing that turns like properly bad soil, like we're talking nothing living in this soil, to soil that is wow. teeming with life and, and fungus and microbiomes and stuff. That's cattle. So, so actually having some cattle is pivotal for the, the future of mankind. Of dung and poo. So you've just got yeah. to eat none of this factory farm stuff. Just have a super mega special treat and really enjoy it, knowing that you're doing actually good for mankind. Where, where do you buy your beef? Butchers. Just where, go to my do you butcher. have your local butcher? My local butcher is one by Flo. Shout out to Flo. Aww, Brooks Flo. Butcher. She's so she's so brilliant. And um, she runs our local butcher and she loves food and she really cares about where it comes from. And she's mega. Love you, Flo. Um, so, okay, d- dessert... It's not going to be a hot chocolate. No, it's I think gonna it's going to be maybe this dish that we're about to eat. Should yeah. we get it out and then yeah. we can all just kind of yeah. savour it? Do you need a bowl or a plate to serve it? I to think you? plate. I think plate. Yeah. So we're about to go on to Tommy's pudding. So this is it's flourless actually. So if you've got a thing with flour, 
don't need. And this uh, is in the cookbook. This is in the cookbook. So it's got some hazelnuts in, mm. and it's not quite as gooey because I made a small one. But because um, I, I actually divided the recipe in half because I realised my husband's uncle and aunt were coming for dinner tonight. So you need so to make one, one for them. them. So uh, yeah, you're so, wonderful. Uh, is that okay? Um, Isn't that sweet? But um, so normally it's a bit gooier because this is only half a half a recipe. But basically, it's got tequila, ground hazelnuts, lots of chocolate, and some eggs. So it's kind of like a kind of gooey. Um, Souffle-like so chocolate. We're basically tort. having a. We've had a, a courgette souffle, and now we're having a chocolate tequila souffle. <laughs> yeah, Hold on, and we've got and we've got cream with it because I would never unwittingly eat pudding without cream. I love cream I so much. So good. So good. Sorry, oh God, I just helped myself. A really small bit, no, no, that's absolutely. I fine give myself. By me. Oh my God, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mum, this is great. There you are. Oh yeah, you can taste the tequila. Oh yeah, it's just like. Mm. I make these truffles too, like chocolate tequila truffles. They're quite good. Um, and it's got cinnamon, which is, um, which I think can be really overdone. But when you, and I think you use the right amount, it's really good. And this chocolate. is heaven. Oh, thanks. Is that quite straightforward? Mmm. Or not? What's the trick here? So it's got chili in. See? It's got, this is got... I'm, I'm not against chili, darling. No, no, but... No, but, but, but what this, this... I don't know if you can detect a tiny little light mm -hmm. tingling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's got. I ran out of anchos actually. This is the recipe in the book is f using anchos, but this instead has got. Um, I just pulled out a couple of chilies from my larder, but um, it is. It's. It just adds a little background level yes. of flavour in there. And would you always use hazelnuts? You can use almonds easily. Almonds as well. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's actually a pumpkin seed cake in a chocolate and pumpkin seed cake in the book too. The other thing I really wanted to make you, I couldn't decide between that or this one. There's, um, there's, do you like coconut? Mm. So there's a coconut tart in there. And the, 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 the pastry mm. is really easy and nutty. And then, and then the, the middle is a fudgy, toffee, fresh lime, fresh orange zest, mm. um, coconut. It's kind of a sticky, squidgy. It's so good. Um, and it's basically this, restaurant in Mexico City always has this coconut tart on and it took me so long to try and get anything like it and I think I finally nailed it it's been a 10 year basically odyssey to try and get the same coconut tart as this um contramar in Mexico City and I think I've almost nailed it so you nearly had that but um, um this is absolutely beautiful oh gorgeous sublime. I can feel the chili now yeah, but it's lovely. a little caress on your tongue. Yeah, it's a caress. <laughs> it kind of reminds me that I've had something delicious. Oh, that was so good. Did you, you soak the chili chilies in. with those ones? I did. Yeah, because I got a little chew of the chili. It was mm. quite nice. But you don't need to put chili in this. It's just a lovely kind of extra. I think ancho and chocolate work really well together. But because um, of the sweetness of it, it's a bit like that Spanish Nora pepper. But you could easily make that without chili. I love that. But with the tequila, it's, it's so tequila's definitely over the hard. next 10 years. Mm. Will you carry on at this pace? I mean, because I think what's so admirable about you is not that you're only a great cook, but you're a, a, a female entrepreneur, really. And you've activist. You're an activist. You've opened frontiers for women, which is for us great. Oh, I could literally got goosebumps. Thank you. Um, um, gosh, I feel rather emotional about that. <laughs> Thank you, Lenny. But you are. Um, my next ten years uh, is going to be. Just following my passion. I mean, I just think, I think farmers are the true heroes. 
you know, with the nurses, with the NHS, they, they grow the food we eat. So they need to be paid properly. But they're also on the frontier of climate change. And we've seen how all these forest fires and droughts are happening. We need to invest in the farmers and, and pay them for wage so that they can look after the planet and the soil for us. So I think really doing lots of work with that and the chefs and school staff, that is so, so much my passion. But also just cooking and feeding people is my passion. I mean, food is the greatest pleasure. And just writing recipes that people cook is the greatest pleasure because that's why I hate the calories. Food is about pleasure and enjoyment. And, you know, if you just cook from scratch a bit, butter and cream and olive oil, it's all good for you. You know, all, It's all great stuff. And, and indulgence is good. So I think you should never say no to food. You should always say yes to it. But but just you, you buy the stuff, whole ingredients, and, and buy it yeah, from people who care. It's the processed rubbish that you don't need to have. Don't need the processed rubbish. They should tax that to yeah. pay for all the food yes, in the schools. Yeah. Tax the ultra-processed. Yeah. yeah, so, um, and then feed, feed, feed the kids who need the food. That's why I say amen. Before we let you go on to... A dancing. Many... I'll be doing lots of dancing, too. Okay, good. Good, yeah. good, good. Um, I need to know your drink that would go with your last supper, and I've got a few more questions for you. I think I would sip tequila at the beginning. Mm. Which no, with my souffle, I'd have a really delicious glass of white burgundy. Like really. Oh my god, I'm so into it at the moment. Mm. It's a big problem mm. for me. Yeah, like it's a, delicious, like a really crisp, dry chardonnay or oh, something like yes. that. That's what I'd have. With that. I've got wine. We could have had wine. I just didn't offer it because I thought That's you wanted tea. That's wine. Do you would like a glass now? Well, um, I've got any tequila. No, I've got the bloody sombrero. I've only got the sombrero. I'm clearly going to go into a chocolate cake next. Um, or would I? Would I actually besmirch the chocolate cake if I use my cheek? What a good word. Use my cheek Great tequila. Word. Um, do you know what? I am a purist. If it's got 100 percent agave on it, I think it's fine. Okay. So you like dancing. Do you like karaoke? I mean... Would you if you had to? I, I have... Do you know, it's so funny about karaoke because if you'd say to me karaoke, a bit of me sinks. But then I am the person who you can't get the microphone away from at the end of the party. <laughs> which is, but I can't sing very well. But I, if you left me on the dance floor, I'd be there for six hours happily. Which, so, which What do you like to dance to then? I mean, literally anything. I mean, you could do what? grime, hip-hop, uh, disco, reggae... What was your first dance with your husband? I think, oh my gosh, I should know this. What was it? We danced till four at my wedding. It was really good. Did, it wasn't in Mexico, your wedding? It wasn't. It was my parents' house. But my, my husband laughed because it was the only time he could visibly re recollect me begging to leave a party. <laughs> By four o'clock, I was completely done. I was like, please, can we go to bed now? <laughs> he was like, yes. I got her at last. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to know what was what is kind of the most nostalgic taste to you of your childhood or somewhere that means a lot to you? Gosh, so the two things that bring to mind is one, my granny's leek quiche that my father still makes. My parents make it together, but you know, my father makes the pastry, which on its own is so delicious that you kind of you're you're desperately trying to steal the pastry off everyone else's plates, and then. And then the filling my mother makes is kind of slightly souffléd, leek and cheesy filling. And it's golden and it's so delicious. And, and if we come home on a Friday night and she's made that, everyone's really happy. Uh, and then my other side, my other granny, because she was from South Africa, made a boboti. And that oh, it's fantastic. It's a kind of meat a loaf. Stew. I've never had it as a loaf. Have but you I've, not? No, yeah. I've only had it 
Um, so you can either have it just you uh, all set into a loaf, okay. and it's yeah. got kind of raisins and raisins spices and, 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 and mince. It's mince meat. Yeah, isn't it's it? mince meat. Yeah, it's mince meat. And that that just I can just just when you said that, I just it came into my head that that's what she'd make us. So um, um, before we let you, have go, you got good table manners? Do you think? Have I got good table manners? I, I mean, think you have, but do, what do you think? I feel, I'm really self-conscious. I'm slouching <laughs> over the table with my elbows on the oh table. No, I inherited a really bad habit of eating sad leaves with my hands from a very well-known cook in, um, I think Alice Waters did it, but I remember thinking it was the most like suave thing, seeing this, <laughs> this kind of heroine of the mm. f- kind of food and farming and restaurants eating delicious sad leaves with their hands. And now... I see my children eating with their hands all the time and I realise they've completely got it from me. So that's It's quite awful bad. when you realise your children inherit that. It's not the worst thing to do, no. though, is it? No, it's but it's, I think it's sometimes when you see in your children something you've done and you slightly disapprove of and you realise it. It's, it's you, I know, because yeah. also I'm always cooking and I use my hands when I'm cooking all the time. That's what I love about cooking is how physical it is. And so I'm always touching food and so I think that's also, yeah... Thomasina Myers, thank you so much for spending the time with us, teaching us so much, and us enjoying your beautiful food. Uh, good luck with um, Meat Free Mexican. Thank you so much. And um, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And delicious food that you gave She's inspiring, warm, talented, just like, I, I, I loved it. And she, she welled up when you said that to her. I know, but, but she is. She's a trailblazer. You know, she's opened frontiers for women. She, she's a proper female entrepreneur, but it's based on true, true talent. Mm. This is not someone that she knows so much about food. I'd just like to spend a weekend with her and talk about chilies. We're, you know, we're going to put it here again. We told her, but she needs to have her own cookery school. So there we go. Let's yeah. make this happen, Tom do a, Cena. P- do a pop-up, just a, a chilly weekend. <laughs> um, I loved your meal. That you was see, really, I know. I kind of under, could you, could I you, thought it was going to be quite kind of bready, but actually, but you was, couldn't even tell there was bread in it. No, I loved you? it. It was great. And then her tart. I'm going to do that for my mates that I've got over when we get back. It was delicious. I loved it. You couldn't eat very much of it though. I don't know. I could have had another slice. No, I couldn't. Um, it was really rich. Thomasina Myers, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What an absolute pleasure meeting her. I love having chefs, but like. But chefs like Thomasina Myers, but wow. she's so interested in food, where it comes from, how to make things more sustainable, I think all we of all those learned things. Something. Yeah, I did. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, if you're interested in chefs or schools, have a look at it and see if it suits your, your school. Next week, we have the, the beginning s- of our, ad- our adventure. Californian adventure. California dream. That's going to be us. We'll see you next week for um, our LA adventure. And who knows what could happen.